Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and timber wolves looking to reclaim the land my house sits on. Live from the second floor of Wells Hall on the Michigan State University campus in East Lansing, Michigan, it's Thursday at 3 o'clock and time for tea with BBP. Hey everybody, I'm your host, BBP, also known as Bill Van Patten, international superstar and diva of SLA. With me is the ever, the ever effervescent, I think I can get those words out, the ever effervescent, the ever effervescent Walter Hopkins. Say hi, Walter. Hello, everybody. It's great to be back of from a week away. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. And who's missing in the studio here today? Today, we are Angelica Liss. We're Angelica Liss. So she like followed your, your lead and took off, huh? It's very unfortunate. Do you know where she is? New Orleans, is she not? She's in New, New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. No, New La Orleans. Nouvelle Orleans. I can tell you're from New York, New York. New Orleans. Come on. New Orleans. Let's just say New Orleans. New Orleans. Oh. Have you ever eaten jambalaya? Oh, lots of times. And you still say New Orleans, huh? Well, I'm so sorry. You probably had New York jambalaya. I was trying to be correct in my pronunciation today. If you'd like me to say New Orleans all the time, I can gladly say it. New Orleans. You can just say the Big Easy. How's that? The Big Easy. How's that? Well, we do have somebody standing in for Angelica today. We do. We do, but it, but it's 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 not. It's like a testosterone sweatshop in here today because it's all three <laughs> guys. We don't have we don't have our our female counterpart. We have with us the uh, I was going to say the lovely and talented, but but that would be Angelica's line. So I'm going to say the the sparkling and the equally effervescent Matt Kanevsky. Matt, say hi to everybody. Hi everybody! Oh my gosh, Matt is uh, Matt is the assistant director of French language instruction here at MSU, and another. I have two right hand people. I feel like an octopus. I got two right hands, and so Walter, <laughs> Walter's on one side and Matt's on the other. They 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 do all the work in the language programs along with me. So we're glad to have you here, Matt. Say just say two say one thing about yourself to to someone out there in the audience that they might not know. I mean, just say something about yourself they might not know. Uh, I spent a glorious year working as a flight attendant uh, back in, uh, well, a long time ago, I'll say. Oh, a flight attendant. I was a flight attendant. Okay, that reminds me of a story I wanted to tell today, but Dustin and, and Luca and, and Daniel let me tell the story about my earphones and the airplane the other day, so I'm going to keep that to myself. But <laughs> Okay. Yes, I had an accident with earphones on the airplane the other day, and I, I will, those of you who would like to know, you can tweet in or Mixler in later and say, let Bill tell his story. Okay, it was, it was exciting and kind of embarrassing at the same time. <laughs> but anyway, Matt, we're glad to have you here. Well, thank you. I'm thank glad you to be here. Thank you for sitting for Angelica. I'm glad to have you here too, Matt. I know, this is like being upstairs, isn't it? But it is just like the office upstairs. Why don't we, why don't we just forget the show? Let's have a staff meeting right now. You guys got okay, any excused good. absences you want to do right now? Or <laughs> no, any, any students? No. Any I don't want to sadden our, 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 our <laughs> audience by having them listen to what goes on in a staff meeting. Okay, well, speaking of sadden the audience, let's just get it out of the way. Let's take a moment to acknowledge the passing of Prince. I was in the middle of class when it came through on Huffington Post on my class because all my students and me are always have our phones open and stuff. <laughs> and that's true. It's true. And I, I, we were all just, uh, just, it was took, we had to stop class for a minute because it was just shocking. And may I say the prince is dead. Long live the prince. Huh? Long. That too soon, Matt. Too Dude, soon. Really? Too soon. Too soon. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, so, so Walter, where were you last week? Anyway, I was away. I, well, I was in a car driving at the time of tea with BBP. Anyway, yeah. Why didn't you call in? You forgot. I, you know, it, it was kind of crazy. You know, when you're when you're on a trip, you're trying to get somewhere, and uh, 
I, I guess I just lost track of time. I had no idea. So I thought, oh, I've got to call tea with BVP. I can't forget. And I looked at the clock and it said 4.15. And I thought, how is it possibly 4.15 already? And so. you, were gone, you were gone all that time. Did you bring us a present? I did not. I'm not, so sorry. Not even a bunt cake, huh? Not even a bunt cake. Jeez. Mary and Joseph. All right. Well, that's okay. I was, go- I was gone early this week, but I, I wasn't gone last you week. You didn't bring me a bunt cake. <laughs> I got something for you. It ain't no bunk cake either. No, kick in the right butt, now. maybe. I don't know. But. No, I'll kick you in the butt. <laughs> no, um, no, uh, yeah, I was I was busy too. I just, I don't know, the time flies. I, I, that's all I can say. I can't, we are I can't. so close to the end of the semester. It's almost unbelievable. I, I, I am like fatutzed, flemished. What's the word, Matt? I don't. Verklempt? I'm not verklempt. I mean, I'm fine. I'm just like, what is it when you're like just. There's a southern expression I can't say on the air. Um, when you're just beside yourself, that it's the end of the semester. Where did the time go? I don't know. Okay, well. Anyway, here's a... F- oh, were you going to say something, Matt? No, no, I'm good. Here's a, here's a fun factoid. Do you know what today is? Uh, I don't. Could you tell me, please? Well, if you look up there on the screen. Oh, it says it's British National Tea Day. Yay! Everybody, it's British National Tea Day. Apparently yesterday was American National Tea Day. Exactly. <laughs> we threw it all over in Boston. No. So today's British National Tea Day. I did not know that. So we've got speaking up British accents. No, you're not going to do that. Why not? Because. Please. And really I like said speak. no. All right. Okay. Blimey. <laughs> Oh, gosh, it's going to be one of those days. We're all, the audience out there better be prepared. We are so tired. There's something in the air here. I don't know what it is. It's a gray, rainy day today in East Lansing, and I think it's making us all tired. We're, we're punchy. We are punchy beyond belief. Punchy, 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 punchy. I'm so punchy. Just call me Hawaiian fruit punch. I'm so punchy. How many times say that word in five seconds? Punchy. Okay. What's well, like the topic of input last week? You know, you got to repeat a lot in the input so people know what you're, what you're talking about. A um, couple announcements before we go on. We have our meme contest underway. And wow, some of those memes coming in from you all are A-R-I-O-T, Riot. Um, you do not want to miss getting in on this meme contest. What you want to do is grab a photo of me online, hopefully a current one, when I'm at my most fabulosity. <laughs> and you add your caption. You meme it, and you're on your way. Um, Luca, did you want to tweet or put up some photos of me so people can grab those? We were actually photos of me, not photos of other people. And please, Luca, don't put up those photos where I look like the orca and Free Willy trying to jump over the uh, rock barrier, please. I, I look a little bit better since those days. So I, I you know, um, I know that people will out, go out there and grab their own photos of me because there are plenty online when you're an international superstar like I am. <laughs> but it's hard to control that. But anyway. So, um, and if you didn't catch last week, we announced our winners for the March contest of Get Your Tea Swag On. Uh, they're posted on our site now, and so, our, so is what they did. But just to remind you, the winners last week were Jason Fritz, Allison Lewis, and Courtney Parkinson. Yay! Yay! Each is receiving, or may have received by now, the fabulous Tea with BVP tote. Uh, filled with tea and BVP goodies. We got lots of goodies now. So enter that meme contest, people. Get those memes going, and you two could win a bag of swag. You have one week left because next Friday is the last day for that contest. So get those memes in. I want to be meme What's the verb? Can I be meme Can I be memed? Memed. Memed, I guess. Like a meme? That sounds like maimed. I don't like that. Yeah. You coax the blues right out of the horn. Meme. No, too soon? No, meme. Meme. Okay. All right. Get with the program, Matt. Okay, everybody. Matt's new. He'll get into it. I'm just just kidding you, Matt. 
Who else me, my man? You're memeified. I'm memeified, really. Okay, this week our topic is guess what? Principle number five for contemporary language teaching. Anybody know what the principle is? He's the head guy or the head woman in the office in school. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> principle number five for contemporary language teaching is today tasks and not activities or exercises should be the backbone of the curriculum. The number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. Emma is away today, and so Dustin DeFelice is back on the phone lines waiting for you to call in. Emma's away, Angelica's away. We are an office or a studio here filled with testosterone. I tell mm-hmm. you. I know. We've gotten, yeah, we need, yeah, it's just, I won't say mm. it, but yeah. Anyway, so you can tweet us at T with VBP, or you can email us during the show, although it's harder for us to read the emails. Um, and if you're on Mixler, of course, we can read things on Mixler. Matt is going to be handling Mixler today. He's, he's, a, he's a champ. He's going to be trying to take Angelica's job doing that. But remember, we're in a call-in talk show, and if you are on Mixler, that means you can also call in. So call in and talk to us. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Put down that box of Milano cookies and dial us at 517-884-4321. And again, if you have a question that's not on topic, that's not about tasks or activities or exercises, you can bring that up too. We're not, we're not mean here, are we, guys? No. We're not, you know. Uh, I will, if I have time, will address some lingering issues from previous shows that are on my mind because of things I've been reading on Mixler from you all. Um, and don't forget our fabulous quizzes. We've got the SLA Challenge Quiz. It's super good today and super easy, actually. It's a very, anybody, call, don't be afraid of the SLA Challenge Quiz today, gang. It's a really good one. Uh, it's on topic. If you don't want to do the SLA Challenge Quiz, we've got our Diva Challenge Quiz. I still have the questions from Barbara Streisand that nobody has called in and asked or tried to answer. So call in. Some lucky person uh, can take a stab at those quizzes. Let Dustin uh, know that you want to take a quiz. And see if we can get those in a little earlier than we normally do because um, we tend to wait toward the end and then I feel like we're rushed trying to get the person out the door real fast. And I like that, you know, we'll spend a little time with them or something. So where are we? What am I doing? <laughs> well, you are in Wellsolve today. No, I don't know that. You, no, I mean, where am I? In, where am I conducting a radio show? Where am I in the yeah. show? What are we supposed to be doing right now? Is it time to talk about the topic? It's time to talk about the topic. Matt, is it time to talk about the topic? It most certainly is. I have to get the I have to get the thumbs up from Luca though. I don't see I can't see Luca through the little green green the little what do you call it window there. So you know if I don't if I don't do it right, Luca's gonna yell. He's gonna say you weren't on you weren't on task. <laughs> speaking of tasks, speaking of tasks, so. Anyway. He's pointing up there saying. I know. I know. I'm just being. I'm trying to, I'm, you know, they're giving me the stretch thing. I'm trying, you know, the little hands. I'm just kidding. Okay. So our topic today is tasks and not activities and exercises should be the backbone of the curriculum. So what's the first thing we got to do, guys? We got to talk about the difference between task, activity, and exercise. Let's get physical. Physical, not that kind of exercise. Walter's over here doing jumping jacks. Okay, so let's start with exercise. An exercise is a focused practice. That's how I want to define it. An exercise is a focused practice, something that gets learners to manipulate vocabulary and grammar in a very controlled way. So very often exercises are things like we think of like fill in the blank, translate, transform, repeat, read aloud. Anything else you guys can think of that are exercises like that? Solve for X activities. Say what? Solve for X activities. So the kinds of things where you have, um, I guess, kind of fill in the blank, but the kinds of things where 
you have to choose the correct direct object pronoun, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So. There you go. Or a multiple choice. Where you could, yeah, exactly. There you go. That's right. Um, so all of these are what we call traditional exercises. Now, activities are those, I'll call them events, okay, are those events that get learners involved somehow in the expression interpretation of meaning. If you don't know what that's about, go back a couple of episodes, gang. Um, so activities get learners involved in the expression interpretation of meaning, such as ask and answer the following questions of your partner. So... Uh, Walter has to ask um, Matt five things that he did last night. And that's, that's it. That's what the activity is. Or listen as I present my family and see if at the end you can say at least five things that you remember about my family. So those are activities. Now, tasks are different. Tasks are like activities in that they involve the expression and interpretation of meaning in the context of the classroom, but they have the added feature of guess what? What do they have? A... Not a dolphin. A tortoise. Not a dolphin. Oh, I mean a purpose. A purpose. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so they have a purpose. <laughs> so they are like activities that they have expression, interpretation, meaning, but they have a purpose that is not language related. They're not there for language practice. They're actually there because you're going to do something with the information you get. So for example, students might interview each other regarding their families. Then we collect this information to see if we look like the national averages regarding family size, composition, and so on. And we would ask, we're trying to ask and answer the question, just how American are we according to the latest census or something like that. Then we could go further and compare those to families in, in Latin American countries or France or whatever we're looking at. Okay, um, So in tasks, what we do is we learn something about ourselves and the world we live in. And we use language and communication in the classroom to, to, to do that. Okay, So exercises and activities very often stop at the level of language, working on language. Whereas tasks say, no, what we're working on is information about ourselves and the world around us, and we're using language to do that. So that's the fundamental difference when we get out there. Um, so if this all sounds familiar... Uh, to you out there in the listening audience, then you're a real T with BVP fan because task would be what we call fully, fully communicative, fully communicative. Exactly. Uh, activities would be partially communicative and exercises would not be communicative at all. Okay. So um, what I like to do is tell teachers when I work with teachers in, in our own program development here is that we like to use tasks to organize unit and lesson outcomes. This is why we talk about them being the backbone of the curriculum. With activities being useful as stepping stones on the way to the task or as part of the overall lesson, but not the end of the lesson, not, not where we're, what, we're going, uh, what we're trying to go to. Again, this is why we say tasks are the backbone of the curriculum. Again, they aren't the 24-7. We don't do tasks every waking minute, but it's tasks we strive to complete and we use our activities to help us get there as part of the way, uh, as part of our, our pathway to get to these tasks. So, Bill, are you talking about goal-oriented um, classes? As absolutely. So we talked about that before, Matt, right? Goal-oriented instruction where tasks are the goal. And then we try to work our way toward, the, toward those tasks. I mean, that's one way to do it. Okay, we already have a caller on the line, it looks like. We have an Alyssa who's from, what's, the, what's VT? That's not Virginia. Vermont. It's Vermont. Oh, my gosh. Alyssa, hey, how you doing, Alyssa? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Did you bring me some Ben and Jerry's? Um, yeah, have some Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> <laughs> are you having it or did you not bring me any? Well, I'm drinking my tea right now. Oh, good for you for National Tea Day. I actually, yeah. I can't have any Ben and Jerry's anyway because I'm off dairy for a while. So. Oh. Yeah, well, that's yeah. That's very so sad. It is. <laughs> I've, I've missed, for, for what is it, like 40, 45 days now? I have not had any 
yogurt or milk. Well, I've cheated on my lattes here and there, but at home I don't have any milk in my house. I use almond milk for my lattes. All right, Elisa, this is not about me right now. It's about you. What are you calling about, Elisa? How are you doing? What are you calling about? I'm doing great. Well, first of all, I have to tell you that my husband went to Michigan State University. Yay, you married a Spartan. Go green. Go white. Worm at some point. He said he thought he lived in Wells Hall, but I don't know. Well, he did. He was camping out in the hallway because there's no dorm rooms here or anything. So, <laughs> well, I think there was a previous right. anyway. building called Wells Hall before yeah, this. But one. that was like the 1800s. So, yeah, that was like husband's really old. Yes. <laughs> he's old. He's kind of old. Okay, all right. So, what do you call it uh, about Alyssa? I get so excited. I'm like, Andy, I'm listening to your university. <laughs> <laughs> so, and also just want to thank you guys. I can never listen live because I usually pick my daughter up from school and I'm busy then. So, I'm excited I could call in. Well, good for you. So what's so, up? Yeah, well, I'm calling to, to continue. I know at the end of last time, which I just listened to, um, Carol was talking about IFLT mm -hmm. and summer trainings, and I just had a couple other thoughts to throw out there about that. One is I'm going to I go to IFLT. I love it and highly recommend. And well, good for you. Thanks for endorsing that. There, Yeah, it's awesome. I, I just learn something so much every time. Um, and then the other big one is the NTPRS. Mm -hmm. out in Reno, um, and love that as well. I can't make it out there this summer. Oh, yeah. And I well, know in France there's a Agen training, which mm -hmm. is, sounds amazing. Okay. So that's my, that's my plug, just into some more great opportunities for language teachers interested in, like, seeing this in practice. Well, that's great. That's good to know. If you want to, um, why don't you send us an email at twithbvp.com. Uh, uh, tea with BVP at gmail.com, and um, we can set some, put some links up on our site for you in our resource center. For, cause awesome. those, those are all good things for teachers to know about, things where they yeah. can go. Because very often you go to a conference, a big conference, and you have to you know, find your way through the you know, hundreds of presentations on this and that and that and this to really find something that's focused on activities and tasks and comprehensible input and interaction in class and that kind of stuff. So this way uh, we can just direct them to our, we our website and they can just see a couple of things there. So if you send that, send that in to us, we'll, we'll try to post some things for you. All right. Awesome. Well, great, thanks Alyssa. So okay. Well, thanks for calling. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was nice. We like to hear from people about um, things they're doing um, and with resources for teachers. I think, you know, there's nothing like, I mean, you used to be a teacher full-time before, I mean, you're still full-time here, but I mean, when you were a high school teacher, Matt, the same was for you. There's nothing like getting energized and going to a conference and meeting other people and interacting and networking and, and, and going to presentations, right, Matt? No, absolutely, and you know, especially, I think you see this more with French teachers uh, and German teachers and probably Spanish teachers, but if you teach one of the I know, lower enrolled languages, sometimes you tend to be the only teacher of that language in your school. And so you, there's this feeling sometimes of isolation. And I remember when I was teaching high school, it was always hard to work out, but I uh, you know, really would have liked to have been with other teachers to see what kind of what goes on there. Because um, there is this sometimes feeling of isolation. Right, yeah, yeah. Or even sometimes when you're with other teachers, you can feel isolated because they're not doing what you're doing. And you're like, you're like going against a grain or what's the worst, swimming upstream. I don't know what the metaphor is, but you're sitting there going, trying to do something different. And so you need to seek people out there more like-minded and who can talk to you about what you want to do, right? Yeah. So, I mean, these are all good things. I, uh, that's one reason I like going to conferences, too, is interacting with teachers who want new things and are like-minded and so on. So. so can I bring up one? Um, actually, we have one of our Mixler um, 
participants uh, who would like actually some examples of tasks and um, maybe talk about what, what tasks look like in the classroom. Um, that would take me like five hours to do. That's a workshop. Um, <laughs> maybe that's the workshop I should do. Uh, did you guys do a, a workshop on tasks at, at MyWillow last year? No. no. I did a pronunciation thing. Maybe we may do something on tasks at MyWillow. Um, but, but I can give you a, a just a really, really, I mean, I, I just did one with the family a bit ago, but here's, here's a very simple one. Um, the difference between an activity and task. Okay, so here's an activity where... Um, it's very typical for people to use activities to teach stuff that's in the book because they feel the need to teach the book. And this is why activities tend to be language related. So you'll get a bunch of reflexive verbs in Spanish or what we call phenomenal verbs in French to teach the daily routines. So get up, brush your teeth, take a bath, all that, get dressed and all that kind of stuff, right? As though we actually talk about those things in real life. I mean, I've known Walter for four years and, and Matt for three and a half. And I don't think anyone of us have ever talked about brushing our teeth or combing our hair or any of those kind of things in, in our conversations. But still, this is what people like to do in a classroom. So an activity would, would give students, you know, ask these questions and find out what your, your partner does every morning. You know, and so Walter would say, you know, do you brush your teeth every morning? What time do you get up? Those kinds of things. That's an activity. A task would say, I don't care about that. I want to know something about the real world. So maybe a couple of those phrases are useful to find something out. So here's a task I did with people in St. Louis recently. I just took when you get up and go when you go to bed. And I said, so what you've got to do now is everybody has to find two people in the room and ask them when they get up and when they go to bed, go, do it. And they did it. So then they got back, and I said, make sure you jot the information down. They went back. I said, okay, now I want you to look at what time they say they typically get up, they typically go to bed, and calculate their average hours per sleep at night. And so they did that, and then I, I had the board behind me when they were doing that, and I said, okay, and I had five through nine hours on the board, thinking that would be the range, right? So I had people start telling me, so, Walter, how many hours does Matt sleep at night? And, you know. And then I would say, well, why, why? What time does he go to bed? What time does he get up? And he would tell me. Okay, so we put seven hours. And then somebody else says, no, he gets up with six hours. And so we, then we put it all on the board. And then I asked somebody, pull out your calculator and give me the class average. What are the hours sleep we get in this class? Well, this was a group. It wasn't a class at St. Louis. And so, um, so somebody pulled out their phone, iPhone, and did the calculation and said, it's seven hours. I go, okay, now let's look at, let's look at the charts from the sleep center. And I put up the charts on my PowerPoint slide from the sleep center. And Walter's yawning at me right now because <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about this earlier. And so I asked him, I said, how, do, how does our profile fit the recommendations for sleep for our age group? And it has all the different age groups up there. And they were going, well, we're pretty close. And I go, then why are you all yawning this afternoon? That was a joke I said to them. But, but that's a task. Notice that what we did in that was we were trying to find out whether we, were the, we fit the national norm or whether we have sleep deprivation in this class or not. And we did have people who were on the five, I'm on the five or six hour end per night. And then we had some people who were like on the nine hour end, but our class average was seven. So then, then we looked at the standard deviations in there. I said, let's go back and look at the people on the ends. How many of you are there? There was like one and one. And so we calculated the standard deviation for our class and found that that we looked just like the national norm. If we, you know, and I had to teach them how to do standard deviation. So anyway, so it was, it was, and it was, it was all using the target language. We all used, you know, a couple of verbs. We, you know, we weren't trying to do daily routines, but we used a couple of verbs from daily routines because we were trying to find something out about about something. And sleep is in the news right now. I mean, Arianna Huffington just wrote a book, just came out about sleep deprivation in this country. Anyway, so that's an example of a task where we use the language to find something else out and we come to a conclusion 
uh, about ourselves. We make a comparison. Uh, we draw something up. Another thing could be um, where people pull information in class, whatever you're doing, because you're going to make a pamphlet on something. Um, or let's say you want to um, tinker with a recipe. So take a recipe to class. And so um, you say, OK, here's a recipe for such and such. And um, you have, you don't know who your guests are going to be. Okay, so what kinds of things do you have to consider to change this recipe? And Walter might say allergies. Well, what kind of allergies? Are they allergic to nuts? What other kind of allergies are there? Matt, Matt would say allergic to what? Bee stings. No, we're talking about <laughs> food. See, he's the kind of student I would sit in the back row and like, no. So you might say what? Dairy or something uh, like that, yeah, right? Shellfish. Like, shellfish. So we would look at this recipe, we'd, list, we'd go through, and then we'd go through, and I'd say, okay, now your task is modify this recipe. Can we want to modify this recipe? Work in groups for three minutes and modify this. And then we come back, and the, the point of this is to modify the recipe and come up with a new recipe. That's the goal. The goal is not to practice food. The goal is not to practice anything, but to come up with a new recipe. That's the outcome of that. Okay? So it comes back to what you said before, purpose. There's a purpose for There's doing it. There's a purpose for that, exactly. There's always an outcome that's not language. There's a purposeful outcome that's informational in some sense. So there's a couple of quick examples of tasks. And um, we can, um, I will direct whoever, who said Ann Missler, the book that I did with Jim, Making Chemical Language Teaching Happen, um, has an uh, excellent chapter on tasks. That I wrote, actually. Um, and so uh, there's that. And in our new Angelica, series... if you're listening, I'm shaking my head. Yeah. yeah. And the new, in the new uh, Routledge series that um, we're publishing, uh, all the different modules, the e-modules, if you're interested, you can just go on Routledge, look for Foundations of Langu uh, Contemporary Language Teaching. There's a module you can download for like $10.99. It's about tasks. The whole module is about tasks. You can go in there and... Did you write that one? No, uh, Michael Leeser and Justin White wrote that. It's very okay. good, very good. So, and they give you lots of examples of different kinds of tasks in there. So, anyway, so those are those. That's what I can tell you about tasks. So I'm not talking the whole time. Um, I mean, we do tasks here, so this is like second nature to us at this point. And we we really like tasks. They really they kind of they they're really useful for organizing yourself. So, what else is going on? Do we have any Do we have any email coming in from people? Because we have no callers. I'm waiting for someone to you take know, the emails are always really long, but. I have one. That oh, I come on. We did this exercise in my class today where I put up a synopsis that was too long because we're doing movies. And I said, okay, your job is to cut this from 99 words to 70 words. So that's what their job was in class. So, Walter. Did they complain about it? No, they loved oh. doing it. And they were working their groups. Okay, well, so, I'm so just going to. Cut that down to, to 24. I want to mention something here. There's an oh. email from. Oh, my gosh. Teresa. Walter has in a Ohio. big head. No, Walter. not at all. Uh, she Teresa says she's been she just started listening. She's been catching up on on episodes. So we have to come back to a few things. Like for example, I don't remember several several weeks ago now we had this conversation about what a buckeye is, and so she wanted to she wanted us. Well, oh, I know what a buckeye her. is. I lived in Columbus. Yeah, well, tell us, Matt. She she clarified it for us because we were able to look it up and find that there was some. It was a chicken. Chicken called the buckeye, and they were like, "No, that's not what it is." Anyway, go ahead if you know, Matt. <laughs> He's giving a face like what? <laughs> it, it, it's it's a nut for a tree, right? Yeah, that's it's what she said. Chestnut, yeah. kind of a chestnut tree. So they're all nuts in in Ohio. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, that's but, rude, but, Matt. But the that's better rude. kind of but the better kind of buckeye are the uh, peanut butter covered in chocolate buckeyes. Yes. Yeah, okay. that's what she mentioned. And those as are well. far better. So, but apparently the nut is poisonous. I remember when we lived in Columbus that people said you can't eat the nuts because they're poisonous. Hmm. So the buckeye from the buckeye tree. Interesting. Anyway, does, does, does your girlfriend, Teresa, have anything else to say? 
my girlfriend Teresa. I've never met this woman. You're that's, so excited about her, Walter no, and Teresa sitting right. in a tree. Moving on. I don't know why you're saying that, Bill. You're because kind of she wants you guy. for president. Didn't you put? Didn't she the one that said that at the end of? Oh the yeah, yeah, that's right. She. she oh, she said. Uh, that's the one that said. <laughs> this is why he's saying that. Yeah. I wasn't even catching on. Um, uh, she's the one who said that she also puts her apples in the refrigerator because this is something we discussed several weeks ago also uh, because they taste better that way, and that's why she's endorsing Walter for president. That's Teresa, right. Teresa, you're hanging, <laughs> you're hanging on every word Walter says. I'm a right. little worried. Okay. And then, uh, But there's the one uh, from Whitney. She says, in one of, her, one of your episodes you said you were looking for alternatives to language teacher. Oh, yeah. I talked about that this week in Massachusetts. I really want us to... Get rid of the word language teacher because that is the thing that's our downfall. We got to start calling ourselves something else. Because if you're a language teacher, that means you got to teach language, test language, and that's why we're stuck doing what we're doing. So, what is Whitney? Well, she recommends proficiency captains, like from the movie Dead Poet Society. Oh, captain, my captain. So, there you go. There's Whitney's recommendation. Was captains a proficiency? Is that what she said? No, she said proficiency captain. Okay, but she says yeah. a lot of other things. Read a couple yeah, of those lines. Yeah, she says a lot of things. She says we're we are skilled and trained to take the helm of the of the CI, the comprehensible input chip, and guide students from proficiency port to proficiency port safely. We know how to read our SLA compass that informs our navigation plans. We know how to treat our passengers. We do not make novice passengers do advanced passenger activities. We do not explain how the ship works or what the parts of the ship do. Passengers do not care about these things unless they want to be captain one day. It's also rude to waste their time on board with things that they wouldn't understand when they could be having fun learning new things. We know how to weather storms and ward off enemy ships that would try to get us off course. We do not throw passengers overboard and expect them to get to shore on their own. We also do not threaten them with being thrown overboard. Uh Very creative, Whitney. We very much appreciate your thoughts. You know, this is where I want those sound effects. Uh, we need like uh, a ding, 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 and applause or something like that. But we that's just one of us. That was excellent. Ex- Whitney, you can come and visit us anytime. We're just up the road from Ohio. So, um, she's not. She wasn't from Ohio, I don't think. Is she? So that um, was Teresa. Oh, that was Teresa from Ohio. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know where Whitney's from. But Whitney, thank you. Thank and you. Whitney. Call in. We'd love to. We'd love to hear more of your insights on language. And proficiency captains. So call in and talk to us. Matt, do we have anybody mixlerizing over yeah, there saying so anything? Anybody arguing or yelling at us? So, so there's some actually more recent stuff, um, although there was something that interested me a little bit that I, I'd like you to talk about that came um, maybe about five, ten minutes ago. Um, and this was from uh, David who said, I struggle to understand how one would incorporate tasks more regularly that don't feel forced. It seems... Like, often tasks are just activities in disguise. Um, the purpose often seems tacked on. Why should my students care about their classmates' families? So um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that and the idea of context and, and that kind of thing. Well, I mean, I mean, whoever asked the question, don't, don't take the content of what I'm talking about literally. Take the idea of tasks and use them. So maybe maybe it is for us to talk about families in your class. It wouldn't be in mine because we actually look at different things and we find out a lot of things about each other. We actually work on family relationships in my class when I when I used to teach Spanish. That's what our tasks were for. Um, and so you have to find out what the tasks are that work for you. Um, so don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, which just sounds like what you're doing. Um, again, don't be literal about the content of tasks. 
take the nature of tasks and make them work for you. Um, and then the other thing that, that, that Jim and I talk about in our book and that other people have worked on that we work on here at Michigan State, for example, is using tasks as goals, having something that you're striving to get to so that you can say at the end of this lesson, you will be able to perform this task. Um, so, um, so there, that's my answer to that. That's my comment on that. And that was actually a good point. Thank you, Mateo. We like to call him Mateo for short. Wasn't there a Nobody calls me my tail. <laughs> Everyone well, in the office does. Well, be, being from the Bay Area, you know, we, I, the county across me was, oh, San, Mateo. was San Mateo. Oh. And so I was thinking about St. Matthew, but I don't know about calling you St. Matthew. Well, know. we have another email comment here, uh, and this is from Stephen from B.C., which I assume is British Columbia, because I don't know of any other B.C. Uh, it says, was what it, about... Isn't there a comic strip called B.C.? I don't know. There, there certainly was. Yeah? Are those guys, the little cave guys? Yeah. I guess I don't, I'm not familiar with that. But anyway, here, this is what Stephen Of course says. you're not, Walter. You know, king of, of pop not. culture. <laughs> you didn't even know who Prince was when I told you earlier that he died. I did know who Prince was. I name one sing. song. Name one uh, Prince song. Of course you would ask. Right, uh, name a Prince anyway, song. Anyway, I'm going to read about Stephen from B.C. I probably can name one Prince song. Poor Prince. Uh, but I can't think of it cry. right off the I'm top gonna go of my head. I'm going to go and cry tonight. Purple Rain. There you go. I guess uh, Matt wrote it and gave it to you. <laughs> It's all right. Sorry if I just blasted out your eardrums with my laugh. Anyway, we're moving right along here. What about, this is what Stephen says from BC. What about the assessment of tasks? Student, let's try that again. What about the assessment of tasks? Students would need to understand that any grade given to a classroom task may not necessarily correlate with acquired language as so many other factors exist, such as effective filter. This would also mean that task performances cannot be compiled and used for any part of a final grade that purports to measure proficiency. In this situation, without direct extrinsic motivation, I can understand a student's desire to fully engage in the task at hand waning. I'm not sure what that means. But anyway, I imagine this is in part uh, where the atlas complex we teachers tend to have around motivation stems from. I I think what he's basically saying, if I can distill that in a Buckeye, a nutshell, um, <laughs> is, is that um, can you grade task? How do you, assign a, how do you assign grades to a task, and how does that fit into the student's overall grade in the course, I think? Um, you, you cannot grade tasks. You can't say someone got an A or a B or a B plus or a C. You can't. And, and the way we like to do things around here, the way that seems to be working um, after a number of semesters, is using some kind of criterion by which you have a, a, a scalar thing of, can do something with ease versus can't do it with it all, at all or was absent or something in between could do it but not with ease or had, a, had difficulty doing it. So you need like a, a 210 system or a 321 system, whatever you want to call it, something like that. And so when students perform tasks, that's what their score, quote unquote, on that task is. And then this disfigures in part of their final grade, whatever percentage you give. Because um, I think, is that Steve who asked that question? That's right. Steve or Stephen. Steve. Um, Stephen. Because um, he's right to ask that question about you can't grade these things, um, and you can't. Um, but 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 that doesn't mean they can't fit part of a profile. And I think, I mean, you guys do this, for example, with the can-do statements, which aren't quite task, but but they are they are something students have to perform, right, Matt? Yes. Yeah, and and so it's like it's like the um, students get that score of two one zero. How do you think they take them in class? Are they serious about them? Not serious about them? And they 
Did they do them, not do them? I was oh, sure, they take them seriously. Oh, I think yeah. they take them very seriously, yeah. Yeah, because they're part of their final grade, right? But we're not trying to correlate with, a, 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 with, with a acquisition and say, now that you perform these tasks, you're at X proficiency. We don't say that at all. We can't do that. But there's a lot more face validity to doing that than there is to taking a paper and pencil test and giving you a grade of A, B, B plus, C minus, and so on at least in terms of value proficiency. So if you've, after, after you know, three semesters of doing these kinds of tasks and getting these scores on them or whatever, you can sit back and say, look, look at everything you've done over the course of three semesters. If we sum it all up, you can do some things, okay? Um, and then if you do a capstone course where you go back and review some of those things, that's even better. So anyway, that, that's, that's, that's how I feel about those things. That's my comment on those things. Um, gosh, I wish I was waiting for someone to call in and take the SLA quiz. I'm just like a really good or SLA quiz. Or even call in to talk to us. I should say something really provocative. Want me to say something really provocative that's off topic? Sure. I can do that. Let's hear it. It's based on something that happened in Mixler last week. Should I do that? Yeah, let's hear about it. I've been, I'm not going to be, I'm, I don't want to be taken as mean though. But there was something that happened on Mixler that really kind of concerned me. I should, concerned I think is a good word. Um, it's because it's a comment I made about the nature of first and second language acquisition when Carol and Justin were here. And my claim that, and it's not just my claim, I'm not the only one who makes this claim, but I'll say it's my claim, that L1 and L2 acquisition are fundamentally the same. When I say that, I mean they're fundamentally the same at the core. And there was somebody, if not a couple of people, who took issue with that and were arguing that, no, it's not. I mean, this, this kind of ties in what we're talking about because tasks and all those kinds of things where we take the focus off language and focus information is all part of this idea that, that L1 and L2 acquisition are the same. So we should be doing the same kinds of things in the L2 situation we do in the L1 situation. Anyway, um, but what I was saying is that, is that the reason L1 and L2 acquisition are fundamentally the same is that they both require input they are both constrained by universal grammar and whatever internal learning architecture we have um, for, for language, um, and I even for non-language stuff that influences language. Uh, and they both involve processing that somehow mediates between the input out there and internal mechanisms. That makes L1 and L2 acquisition fundamentally the same, no matter whatever differences there might be. They are fundamentally the same there. Um, and so I think that there was, I think that there was concern about what I was trying to say there. And somebody was bringing arguments that, of course, L1 and L2 acquisition are different and listing why, um, they were different. Um, so, um, I, you know, I, I was, um, concerned about some of the things that people bring up about L1 and L2 differences because those things don't speak to the fundamental similarity or sameness of L1 and L2. For example, brain plasticity, which you brought up. Yes, it's true that bl the brain changes over time, but that doesn't make L1 and L2 acquisition different. It doesn't. Um, it just, it, it, uh, I mean, that could be irrelevant to L1 and L2 acquisition that the brain changes. Um, so anyway, I will... I'm going to stop there because, you know, I, I'll throw that out. And if anybody wants to call in about that because you want a different topic other than tasks, we can do that. Um, but we do have a caller who, um, who is online now, Ellie from MA, which is not Mississippi. <laughs> MA is not Montana. MA is where I just was. The Bay State. The Bay State, Massachusetts. Ellie, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Ellie, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're good here in the studio. What part of Massachusetts are you calling from? Uh, right smack in the middle, pretty much. Well, there you go. And well, thank you for calling Tea with BVP. What's up? What do you want to talk about? All right. So um, this week, uh, our mutual friend Lance and I have been having an argument about how to plan curriculum when you're teaching uh, using comprehensible input. So um, I'm a Latin teacher like Lance is. Um, I am 
using CI, including TBRS methods this year, and um, I'm required by my administrators to come up with a curriculum map that is down to the level of activities and assessments for each unit, ideally down to the day so that our principal can come in and observe me teaching and be able to look on our curriculum system and see exactly what it is my students are supposed to be doing every day. That's not something that's easy to do when you're teaching in comprehensible input. It's Correct. supposed to be very fluid, right? Right. So I wanted to know, um, right now my curriculum is just based on using high-frequency vocab however I can, using TPRS stories to, to get it into the students' brains. Um, how do you suggest concretely planning tasks well ahead of time in a way that administrators can accept as a curriculum plan without making it a grammar-structured curriculum um, yeah, that's that's sort of the question. Well, l let me ask you this question first, Ellie. Um, mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, the d do you have do you have to produce outcomes for your class or outcomes for the week or something like that? We are supposed to come up with some sort of um, showing growth thing throughout the year, and we are supposed to have objectives and essential questions. Uh, but I don't have to have necessarily weekly a number of assessments or anything. Okay. Um, I'm going to suggest everybody out there who's listening to this conversation that we need to start having serious conversations with our principals and administrators about this one-size-fits-all stuff. Because, again, this goes back to what we said weeks ago about language is not subject matter like other things. It's just not. I understand the need for outcomes and concern. I understand that. You know, I've been an administrator. But there's other ways to get at something to allow teachers to have more flexibility about what they have to produce to show. That's why I asked that question, Ellie, about outcomes and mm -hmm. so on. So I would argue with your principal, and actually I'm going to have a PTA meeting with some people in Colorado via Skype in a couple of weeks about these kinds of issues. Um, so they invited me to talk about this. Um, that's not a, don't everybody call in now and say you want me to do your PTA meetings. But um, <laughs> Because... Um, Teachers need to be, to be able to do something different. So, like, maybe in your class, you might have outcomes that say, by the end of the week, you're able to read this text here. And, it, and on Monday, you won't be able to, but by Friday, you will. And then what your, what your plan is, is how am I going to get you there by Friday? And so here's what I'm going to do on Monday, what I'm going to do on Tuesday, what I'm going to do on Thursday, what I'm going to do on Friday. Um, and then we read the text on Friday and, and answer the question, voila, you show me that you can do it. And so I think we need different ways to approach what it means to tell an, a, an administrator what our outcomes are, and what that means for our lessons, and why our lesson plans are going to look different from other people's. I mean, you don't have um, the the particularly in the lower levels of Latin. Um, you don't have what would you call that, Ellie? Fundamental questions. What would she use? Um, central questions. Central questions. Yeah, you don't have central questions that you're trying to answer in your Latin class the way they might be in math or bio or chemistry or, or um, world history or whatever the courses these kids are taking. Uh, it's just different. And so, um, so we have to start making those arguments. And unfortunately, Ellie, for people like you and other people, you're the ones that have to make that. And, and I mean, we can help you, but it has, has to happen at the local level. So I think, I think that, um, and tasks may or may not be the way to do it right now um, until you get more familiar with tasks in the sense of tasks being organizing things where you can say, at the end of this week, you're going to be able to do this particular task, which is, you know, for example, um, interview someone, find out 10 things they did last night, and we're going to plot them on the scale of sedentary to them. We're going to find out, you know, just how, how physically active we are, 
Okay, that kind of, I don't know, I just made that task up. Well, that sounds make, like a can-do statement. Yeah, I mean, it could be a can-do statement, but, but, but you're actually trying to find out how physically active people are, okay? So, so you can have, I mean, a can-do statements could be function as the same thing, too, um, for in terms of outcomes. So I'm talking about something a little bit different from tasks, although tasks could also be your outcomes. That at the end of the week, we're going to do this particular task, and then Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, I'm going to do these things so that Friday we can perform the task. So... But to be able to say what you're doing every single day, I just can't. I yeah. can't envision. I mean, in terms of you know, uh, so your administrator can come in and watch and know exactly you're going to be doing this on exactly. That is the ideal situation. I I don't think he's actually expecting that to happen anytime soon. And I'm I'm lucky in that we actually have a new principal who's so excited to see people speaking Latin because he took it the old way uh, that he's he's supporting me. However, I want to do things. Um, I'm mostly wondering about how to plan, like, even the big-picture curriculum. Um, like, can I plan it around target structures, or is that too close to a grammar-based syllabus kind of thing? Yeah, it, it is, and you'll go off track if you do that. Um, so w we did a book that was task-oriented. Uh, notice I didn't say task-based, but task-oriented um, in Spanish for college. Um, um, the that was published went into five editions and then after five editions the, my co-authors and I just said we didn't want to do any more although it was still selling well um, called Savies K and and it was every lesson was informed by a big task at the end and so what we did is we worked backwards and broke the task up into smaller parts so another way to think about this to, to address what Walter just said is if you had a large enough task that you're trying to do at the end of the week or the end, uh, at the end of the the next week or whatever. Then if you look at that task closely, there are probably many tasks inside there, or at least activities, that then become your daily thing. So you could tell your principal on, here's where I'm taking them on day one. They're going to be able to do this little thing here. And then on day two, they're going to be able to do this little thing, and so on, until all the components of that task are somehow, quote unquote, reviewed, for lack of a better term, and, and done in class. So when you get to the final task, you're basically just assembling all the parts. We've done all this, and there's little baby bits and pieces, and now we're going to put it all together so you can, should be able to do this final task. So, and that's another way to do it. But that, that was a book we did, um, uh, and that was the approach we took to how to, how to write chapter lessons. And, um, and, and it worked, I mean, it worked for us. So that's, that's just another way to think about it. So. Okay, I, great. Thank but you. I, I like the idea that you're, you've got a great principle, it sounds like. So. Yeah. Good for you. So are you going to hang on and take the SLA challenge quiz, Ellie, or are you going to hang up on um, us? I'll, I'll give it a try, but I will not take the diva quiz because I would fail that. <laughs> oh. All about Barbara Streisand. She's got nails like butter. You love her. Okay. <laughs> well, if you want, you want, okay, we're going to give you the SLA challenge quiz. You got your chance to, to win some, some great, great stuff here. Okay. Okay. Okay, so um, this some of this is, some of this quiz today is a fairly easy quiz, but some of it is going to depend on how much you pay attention. Okay, you ready for that, Ellie? Okay. Okay. Yep. So, so number one, complete the sentence. BVP says that tasks are the blank of the curriculum: A, heart; B, spleen; C, backbone; D, lower intestine. <laughs> I actually took notes, so I know it's backbone. Oh, you go. Ding, 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 ding. You're Yay, right. There you go. You there you go. Great. Great, great. Um, what would the lower intestine oh, um, Well, we're not, no, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go that's there. That's the part where you have to put it online for your administrator. Exactly. <laughs> okay, question number two. What purpose for the classroom do most tasks have as an outcome? 
Okay, so what purpose for the classroom do most tasks have as an outcome? A, informational cognitive. B, informational social. C, psychosocial. D, psycho Bates Motel. What? Okay, I'm not honestly sure uh, what the technical definitions for all of those things are, but I know that information was key. Can you just tell me the first the, the choices again real quick? Sure. Um, A, informational cognitive. B, informational social. C, psychosocial. D, psycho Bates Motel. Mm. You can always check out uh, Mixler if, you, if you're curious because sometimes people will help you out there. I'm getting nothing from Mixler right now, though. It might be dead. Um, all right. I'm going to pick the second one, D, whatever that was. Informational social? Yeah. You're sure? That's I the guess one. I'm not sure. <laughs> you're Is that your close. final answer? You're close. Is it A? A, informational cognitive. Yay! Ding, 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 ding. Oh, yeah, right. you got that Look one right. Yeah, because uh, we, we always talk about task having some out, uh, outcome that's not language oriented, and, and, the, and, the, and the, the thing that happens best in classrooms is learning information or having some kind of cognitive outcome that you learn something new about yourselves and the world around you. And we call that oh, informational. Okay. Inf call that informational cognitive. Great. Good. Okay, here's your last question. This is a toughie, so you've got your coasters now. Now you're going for the tote bag with the coasters inside. Okay, uh, so question is, drills have been categorized into three types by Christina Bratt-Palston. And the reason I bring this up is because drills are not tasks, okay? So that's why we're having this question today. Drills have been categorized into three types by Christina Bratt-Palston. What are those types? A, easy, medium, and hard. B, mechanical, meaningful, and communicative. C, listening, reading, or listening, writing, and speaking. D, Steele, Craftsman, and Black and Decker. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna outright cheat since uh, Mixler is working for me now. And um, Eric says mechanical, meaningful, and communicative. And I would like to believe in him. That so, Eric is never calls in, but he has all the answers, and he is correct. And so are you. Ding, 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 ding. Good for you. Yay. Exactly. Christina actually did these, uh, this categorization back in the early 70s, and it's still something that people use, believe it or not. And for the life of me, I have no idea. I mean, I do know because I've talked about these things, what a communicative drill is. That's an oxymoron if I've ever heard one, right? But they exist. Well, what does she claim is a communicative drill? Okay, the difference, a mechanical drill is a, a drill that there's no emphasis on, there's no focus on meaning. So it's like, repeat after me. Or transform the sentence to the sentence. You can do it without really knowing what you're saying or doing. A, me a meaningful drill is you can complete the drill, but you kind of have to know what you're saying or you have to know what the teacher's saying. So that's why if I hold up my pen and I say, what color is this, Walter? Uh, green. Okay. And for you to answer that, you have to know I'm asking about the color. I'm not asking how big it is or I'm not asking what I have in my... You have to know what I'm asking, right, mm -hmm. to answer that. Okay. Even though we know what the answer is. Okay. So it's meaningful in that sense. Communicative drill is where... Um, you're, there's a focus on meaning, but you don't necessarily know what the answer is. And since there's no one answer. So if I say, um, uh, okay, uh, if I take this pen and I hold it behind my back and I go, is the, pen, the black pen in my right hand or my left hand, Walter? 
Uh, right hand. Okay. Do you know? Nobody knows. Matt, do you know? I don't know. I mean, the choices are minimized, right? There's only right or left, right? But you don't know until I go, okay, you're right. It's in my right hand. So that's a communicative drill to do something like that. Bizarre. I know. Okay. Anyway, so, well, Ellie, you did good. Awesome. Good. Okay, so since you did not um, uh, expressly call in to do the SLA challenge, because I think you have to stay on and talk to Des Dustin to give your um, information to him so we can send you your coasters and your tote bag. Awesome. Thank you. Aren't you excited? I want you to carry that to school with pride, and when your principal comes to talk to you about your lesson, you put those coasters out in front of him and put your drink on it, or you put that tote bag in front of him and so he can see T with BPP, and I'll go, what's that? And then you say to him, you lean in and you go, you know... You should listen to this show sometime. It's really good. <laughs> I will do that. So, so right. please say hi to Massachusetts for me, Ellie. I used yeah. to teach in uh, Lakeville, Massachusetts. In what? Lakeville, Massachusetts, what? near uh, New Bedford. Nowhere near there. Sorry. New Bedford. Yeah. You have to say New Bedford. Yeah. All right. Ugh. Okay, Ellie. Thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you soon. Stay thanks on the lines. Calling, Stay on the lines so Dustin can talk to you. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. That was fun. I like those questions. See, we got a little bit in there about tasks and there and activities and so on. Um, okay. Um, I'm glad Eric was on the line there. Eric. Eric, you need to call in, Eric. 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 Our little Eric. Oh, my God. I'm so tired. I'm so, so tired. 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 Tired of waiting. Tired of waiting for you. Oh, sorry. Done now. Look at that. We got a crooner on our hands. <laughs> Do you know who sings that song? Nope. So I didn't think so. So that's because that's pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who sings any song. I just know the song. So. Any response on Mixer to my comments earlier about the L1, L2 stuff, Matt? You see anything in there? About well, that? I'm going through it right now. Okay, because of, I thought I'd try to be provocative and bring that issue back up. Um, Another issue that keeps coming up all the time is this issue of communication. People just don't like that definition. I can't help it. That's what the definition is. I think that people don't like, they think that maybe I'm telling them they're not communicative. And I'm just, don't shoot the messenger. I mean, you know, it's like, ooh. I'm not saying you're doing something bad. I'm just saying that, you know, you have to know what communication is if you're going to be communicative. Oh, actually, um, Eric is, um, Eric piped up on uh, Mixler and he said that he's actually called in before and he has already taken the SLA quiz. Tell Eric to call in and take the diva quiz. <laughs> he may have actually heard you. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got to, we, uh, okay, I'm going to, I got this, okay, I'm going to have to make a new quiz because uh, this is just, you know, I like this quiz about a little Barbara Streisand, but oh well, okay. So um, we actually have another comment that says that we need a uh, pop culture challenge, Walter versus Carol Gab. Oh my God, you remember, anybody remember the very first it was like two weeks after we got started, and I gave Walter the pop culture quiz at Mywala. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember. Boy, did you need the lifelines from the audience there. Oh, Do you remember I sure the question did. that you did not, that I thought you would know for sure? I just thought you would know this one. The question, because I remember like, like it was yesterday. That's hard for me to remember. About who's I, won 20 I, Emmy Awards or something like that? No, 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 no. Academy I asked, Awards. I asked you what singer is known for her reclusiveness to the point that she actually will sing to an audience. Oh, with I have her, no idea. With her face to the wall and her back to the audience. See, Matt doesn't know either. He's making a face like, what? <laughs> and, then, and, and then I even gave you a hint about swinging from a chandelier, and you still didn't get it. It's Sia. 
See, and you still don't know. And Ashley, I still don't know. And Ashley came running from the audience to help. She goes, it's Sia, it's Sia. And you were like, what? And you should have remembered that she'd and be I burned said, in your brain. Sia book. wouldn't want to be ya because I've never even heard of Sia. Oh, How do you spell that? S-I-A. Oh, my gosh. I'm living. Okay, people, please call in and save me. I'm living in a cultural wasteland here. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap up this topic for today, put this one to bed. Okay, gang out there. So if you weren't paying attention, remember, there's a difference between exercises, activities, and tasks. And the reason I bring up tasks is they're tied back into communication. So we want to just, I'm going to harp on that. That communication is critical. Having a definition of communication is critical to understanding what communicative means. Um, and that task should form part of your repertoire and be the backbone. Again, you don't have to be doing tasks every single waking moment. Um, but it'd be nice if you had tasks that informed your curriculum or you used them in some way. Um, and they could be used for assessment. They can also be used for, like I said, lesson goals, all kinds of things. And then activities are your meaning-based things that you might want to use on your way to tasks that help you get there. Like, you know, what I did in your class the other day, Walter, was just a meaning-based task. People, uh, and Carol went to, to watch your class, that, or both your classes. Well, she went to one class at a time. She went to Daniel's class in the morning before, my, uh, before the 9 o'clock class or 10 o'clock class. That was basically a meaning-based task where they just they learned all about my family, but there was no purpose in it other than to learn about my family. So they could tell you on Monday, we learned 10 things about Professor Van Patten's family. Things yeah, that some of my students, or two of my students were like, why did that guy come in here? Why do I care about his family? I was like, <laughs> because you didn't I, get the point. <laughs> because as I explained to them, I'm number one and you're number two. That's right. <laughs> and, and everybody does what I say when I'm around. <laughs> that was so funny. You should have just canceled class. That's what I heard. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Those are the two eating bagels and cream cheese in the front row. I love them. They were great. I loved your, <laughs> I loved your class. Real quick story, real quick before we wrap up. But there was one guy in Walter's, Matt, you'll love this, at 9 o'clock class, who was sitting in the middle of the class. And he goes, wait a minute. This was literally halfway through. He goes, wait a minute. He goes, aren't you the guy who wrote our book? And I went, uh-huh. And I wrote, answered him in Spanish. Then he says in English, and you, you wrote the movie we watched, too. I go, uh-huh. And he goes, Oh, and aren't you the guy that does that tea show with, with our Professor Hopkins? I go, uh-huh. And he goes, holy sh- sheep. I mean, he just out loud like that. He goes, he goes, like, oh, my God, I didn't know who you were. Okay. Anyway, i got to start wrapping up here. we got to do our acknowledgments. Our time's almost over. Remember, get a bit, everybody to sign up at teawithbbp.com and increase our numbers. We like that. want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trago, our media producer, Luca Giappone, and, of course, our talented and trusted call handler and muscle man, Dustin DeFelice. Our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney, who's out there. Emma, who's not here. And Angelica, who's not here, but we love him anyway. The Center for Language Teaching Advancement, a.k.a. CELTA. The College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University. And our wonderful dean, Chris Long. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in our program do not reflect those of the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And, of course, as usual, we always like to thank all of you listeners out there as well and start calling in. Next week, we're back with our principals. week after that is our uh, Anything Goes show. We can call in about anything else. So, anyway, um, we will wait to see you then. We expect lots of callers. Until then, have a great weekend. Have a great rest of the week. And happy second language acquisition to all. Bye, everybody. Bye.